Howdy folks, Cormac Walsh here from Bass Fishing Ireland and you're very welcome to episode 7 of the Lure Fishing Podcast. In this episode I chat to Mark Cowling. Mark Cowling is based in South Devon in the UK and he's a top bass guide, one of the most consistent bass anglers out there today. He has also just published his third book, Bass Lure Fishing, A Guide's Perspective, the second volume. And this is packed with lots of knowledge, tactics, information. So we chat about the book and all things bass fishing Mark really is top of his game and he has a wealth of knowledge. So I really hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Delighted to have you with us on the Lure Fishing Podcast. It's great to finally Thanks. chat to you. Are you keeping well? I'm very well. Thanks, Cormac. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. You've been a busy man. Tell us what yeah. you've tell, tell me what you've been up to. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I've just I spent the, the entire winter. Um, I finished my guiding. I always finish it the second week of December because obviously everyone's always thinking about Christmas and and stuff like that, myself included. So yeah, you know, my, my winter projects involve either doing up my house <laughs> like most people or writing books. And I've spent the last well three out of the last five winters writing books. And um, yeah, it was always the plan to release volume two to um bachelor fish in the guy's perspective um you know at the end of march so obviously is it the first of april today i don't know it is <laughs> and, it is um, yes yeah yeah, so I, I, yeah that's that's how busy i've been i don't even know what day it is but um yeah so yeah i, I managed to, to sort of finish writing it uh mid-march and then you do the editing process and all the rest of it and yeah so i released it uh last week last weekend and then I've spent pretty much the entire week, really, just sort of answering emails, sending out emails to all the people that have uh, purchased it previously um, and all that kind of good thing. So, yeah, I've been busy, but a good busy. All good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I received the email myself as well. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on it. I actually have the, the volume one. This is volume two. Am I right in saying the guy's perspective? Yeah, I thought I'd keep it simple. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be a... You know there'll be there'll be more volumes you know that's the plan you know as as the learning continues and, and that's what these books are about you know they do the catalog the learning uh you know and chronicle the learning that, that i'm on and and what's lovely is you know is that you know I'm, I'm learning and then i can take that into the guiding and then the clients catch using you know previous techniques that we've learned for years plus the new stuff as well not just the techniques but different environments you know different lure types or that kind of thing so it's really nice to be able to you know get that sort of affirmation if you like that you know confirmation that stuff works you know when you when you're asking clients to do it as well you know so that's what the book's about it just chronicles you know, you know the learning process you know i mean who knows when i'll write the next one i'm, I'm, I'm envisaging three years time but next winter keep learning go on next winter maybe no Oh God, no chance. No, next winter. Take the winter I, off. <laughs> I, um, next winter, the plan you like this is is to literally <clears throat> spend. I've got hundreds of places that I want to uh, visit, and you know something that I talk about in chapter two of the of, of this book that I've just released now is my templates for success, and that's that is basically what I a, a real swathe of my marks a very high percentage of my marks match certain templates for what i'm looking for so it could be very specific features specific features sorry in the seabed uh and how the current interacts with them um but i know what i'm looking for and, I, and i've split them in the book into estrine or estrine sorry environments uh and open coastal settings um so 
and I mean, there's only some of the templates, not all of them, but they're the more the more significant ones, I would say, especially in regards to the estuaries. Um, I think the ones on the open coast sort of build on what I've already got. Yeah, um, yeah. But I've got I've got you know 200 plus marks that I that I guide on, plus about another 10 percent that I only fish myself. I won't take anybody there. Too sacred. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, yeah. That's great, yeah. I suppose, like, I'm I'm sure you probably kept diaries in the past. I keep diaries myself, and it's nearly the books are kind of, I, I noticed, flicking through them. I like flicking through your book there from time to time. I'll pick it up, and I'll go back to it, and I'll get a few bits out of it. But it's kind of like really an expanded version of a diary, isn't it, really? You have some nice little stories in it, and it's like it's like you've really expanded your kind of diary taken and, and put everything, all this information into a book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first book, <clears throat> you know, really does sort of chronicle how I taught myself how to catch these fish, you know, so how I, how I learned how to find the marks, how taking the note, you know, the note taking all that kind of thing really, really helped me to sort of, you know, home in on, on what the important factors are, you know, so the first books about determining sort of finding the marks and determining when the bass are likely to be there. But then the second book, then it's quite rock and reef orientated. The first book whereas the second book is, is much more inclusive of all the different types of venues that I fish um you know there's quite a lot of sort of scientific stuff conjecture all the rest of it um but it's 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 more anecdotal the second book so i come at it from like a storytelling angle like placing the angler on the beach or the reader sorry on the beach with us and this this third book is is and this is what i wanted to do is is a combination of both so there's it's it's quite um systematic and dare i say it scientific even though i'm not a scientist um but then in amongst it to sort of summarize um you know the information the instructional information there's then the stories a lot of which are clients you know how we've sort of um conjoined or combined all of those factors into catching these big fish so yeah really excited about it yeah yeah me too and um like like there's so much like this volume one like you have it actual it's actually packed with information um there's so much in it and like i'm thinking like like how do you how did you actually like get so much information into one book and now you have a second book with even more but um that's (laughs) interesting that you've explained that you're coming from a kind of a i suppose a more scientific point of view and the reality is i know in ireland here we don't have much scientific data um in relation to bass here you know we don't we have a few studies but nothing really um conclusive or anything so uh, you know a lot of information scientific information comes from the anglers and who better placed than yourself to provide that yeah i mean i'm out i am probably out guiding you know 160 170 days of the year and then I'm, I'm probably fishing myself about 130 days of the year. You know, I don't fish when I'm guiding, um, but I probably learn more when I'm guiding, believe it or not, because I've got two or three anglers with me. And again, that's a feature of this third book is that's what's expedited the learning is that, you know, theories and, and um, you know, hypotheses that I've got, um, you know, I've confirmed them in my own mind because I've, I've caught the fish using, you know, thinking outside the box or laterally. But then when you've got two or three anglers fishing on the same mark and you might try something ever so slightly different, it might be a different lure type. It could just be something as simple as them working it a different way, you know, or casting at a different angle. And it's just amazing like, how much learning comes from just, just standing and observing, 
and watching my clients and helping them you know so i do learn more from guiding actually than actually fishing myself because i'm like any other angler when i'm fishing i'm i do drift into the moment yeah very nicely so because that's what fishing's about as well it's about relaxing and um you know but yeah it, it, it the, the, the science i say when i say scientific i say i'm not a scientist but because because i'm out because i'm out 300 days a year plus it, I, i'm always in tune with what's going on you know on this on this beautiful coastline so yeah yeah and how long how long have you been guiding now mark so i commenced the business i started the business september 16 but i literally that was just me starting up the website you know i guided a couple of clients um the back end of 2016 so i sort of started in earnest in 2017 um april and then um really by august 17 that was when i started doing it full-time really so you could say was it now 2023 so yeah i mean i've been doing it full-time for five years yeah yeah that's a that's a lot of a lot of sessions isn't it yeah it is a lot of sessions a lot of sessions and you know we'll probably talk about this later on i suspect but i mean this coastline is is amazing i mean it's orientated in so many different ways you know i've got so many different types of mark you know i've got eight or nine estuaries that i can you know dip into if i want to if i want to get out of the weather or if i just feel the fishing's going to be better you know it's so varied and i think if i was going to design a a coastline to be a guide there's, there isn't there's very little that i would change about this coastline to be fair so that that definitely helps me that is significant you know because you do need to have the marks that's that's the biggest thing with being a guide i think you need to have a lot of options yeah yeah that that's true yeah and i know i just noticed like you're like you're probably one of the most consistent anglers, if not the most consistent anglers, um, between yourself fishing and guiding. You, you seem to always be able to find a fish, um, and I know that's that's come through years of hard work. But you also have probably, as you said, a lot of coastline, a lot of areas where you can fish when when like uh, you're looking for kind of sheltered um, spots. Yeah, absolutely. That 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 was one of the biggest things, um, you know, because it was ten years of planning before I became a guide. And, and, you know, one of the big things was, was ensuring that I had places that I could guide people, um, no matter what the weather, you know, because you don't want people turning up in November, you know, when it, you know, they've, they've driven all down from London or something like that. And then, you, you know, the weather's so bad that all the sea conditions or whatever you can't, so you can't take anyone, you know, so you need, you need to have a lot of options. And I think, yeah, you know, it's kind of you to say about, you know, always catching the fish and whatever, but, um, it, it, it definitely stems from having a lot of options um spending a lot of time um finding the marks and you know obviously sussing out when the fish are likely to be there um but i think the, the biggest thing for me when i go fishing myself now is that because i've been guiding you know that week let's say and i then go out on my own like i say i'm, I'm just remain in tune all the time with what's going on i think that's, that's the biggest factor yeah yeah that that is interesting and tell me mark do you find much i i find it here sometimes that you know from season to season i might have a particular spot that okay the fish are there but then then the next season they're not there you know they've moved on somewhere else like or they might be there for two years or three years but then the next time they're gone do you find that much with with your own marks over there the patterns they kind of change a lot or is it kind of more consistent um i would say I would say they're consistent on the whole, yeah. And and some places are, are, are remarkably consistent. Um, I mean, I actually spotted a very, very big bass last week in the same place that I caught a 74-centimetre bass um, at the same stage of the year two years ago. 
uh, March 2021. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, sure, I'm sure it was probably the same fish because, you know, when I say I saw, I saw it in the same spot, I mean, literally to the square meter and it, and it, and it did not care that I was stood above it either. And it was a very big fish. Um, well, that's really that's, interesting. That's, yeah. That shows how yeah. territorial they are, I suppose. Yeah. I think, I think, and again, you'd have read the first book, you know, I talk about territorial bass and sort of transitory fish. And I think that, so there's, so there's definitely some, you know, there's definitely some fish that are territorial and there's some fish that are transitory, you know, so you, you, you'll find there's some fish that are, are just literally swimming around following all the bait fish, be it the sand eels, the, the mackerel, all that kind of stuff. And then there's other fish that are just like, no, I'm going to stick to my patterns. So I think, you know, like what you say about <clears throat> there's some marks that maybe might go off the boil for a couple of years. That, that could be, that could be for a variety of reasons. You know, I mean, I do think seals do have something to do with it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so that that can definitely put the bass off. I, 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 that's my honest opinion from, from, again, being out on this coastline a lot, is if, if you, you get, you know, a group of seals that move into a particular area, you do find that the bass, you know, m maybe they're just hiding away when the seals are there. I don't know, but I I, I think they do put them off a little bit. But um, what I do find, Cormac, is that there's some venues, people say, oh, no, oh, that place is rubbish now, you know, I don't catch anything from there. But what you sometimes find is that, that mark might go off the boil for a couple of years and you're absolutely right it can be for like two three years but then another mark that was okay that used to be good will suddenly become good again ah so yes what i get I can, you now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it balances out cormac that's what i find yeah 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 very interesting that's a good point yeah and how was how was last year overall mark for yourself <laughs> really good yeah really really good i mean the weather was very kind um throughout last year you know I, I never i never had to change any of my plans really because of the you know the weather um you know we didn't get thunderstorms we didn't get spells of very heavy rain you know because it's the extremes of weather that upset the patterns a little bit as well um last season was really really good i mean i i, I didn't do as much fishing as i wanted to but um i, I i'm always going to say that um yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 but, but yeah, guidance my job, guidance my job. Yeah, yeah. And if you look um, at your Facebook, you're out every week, maybe every day, you yeah, know. Well, <laughs> in, 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 I'm not going to spoil it, but in the third book, I, you can see how many sessions I fished last year, how many fish I caught, and da, 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 you know, be it day or night, you, you will see how many times I went fishing. And it might actually surprise people. Um, I don't fish as often as people probably think, but, um, but from a, so yes, from my perspective, I did spend the first sort of, I don't know, four or five months of the season, really exploring different places. Um, you know, again, I won't spoil it, but, um, you know, uh, what can I say? Uh, you know, yeah, basically different, completely different types of venues. I did a bit of exploration, let's just say that. Um, oh, really but then interesting, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I won't spoil it. Um, I mean, to be fair, anyone that's read my blog, they would have read what, what, I, what I've been getting up to. Um you know, so, but let's just say going a long, long way off into estuaries, almost into freshwater, bits and pieces like that, some real extreme low tide venues. You know, the final chapter of, the, of this new book is I talk a lot about it, like my findings and what I've caught. Um, but from a garden perspective, obviously, I don't go experimenting with clients. I stick to, you know, proven venues, tactics, methods, lure types, etc., etc. And it, it was an excellent season, excellent season. Yeah, really, really happy. Lots of big fish. Um, yeah, chuffed a bit. That's brilliant. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what you say about the estuaries <laughs> and the upper reaches of them. I was talking to John Quinlan there last uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned the exact same thing, you know. He was 
you know, really yeah, kind yeah. of planning on focusing, or he had some very strong theories of bass being really far up in those upper reaches of the estuaries mm-hmm. that need to be explored. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. And and a certain lure type that that I've I've just really in the last six months, um, well, I would say last six months, the back end of last season, really. Um, I think there's a certain lure type that really does lend itself well to, you know sort of catching big big fish that are just sort of snooping around right up in the far reaches of these estuaries as well so yeah so it's some really interesting times ahead and that's why i wanted to put a chapter about it because i'm really excited about it and i think you know rather than the the the, the first three sections of the book talk about like what we have caught whereas that final chapter is like right th- you know this is what i think could could really open things up it might not but you know it's exciting it's definitely that's the thing for me i just want to find as many different ways um and environments and techniques to catch these fish as possible because i i just love seeing these fish i don't i'm not bothered where i catch them i just want to i just want to catch them see them put them back that's my thing yeah and i think i know for myself as well it's very it's so uh rewarding when you're kind of sussing out a new mark or you know it could take you days weeks or a whole season to kind of figure something out and then even if you just get one fish off it doesn't matter what size it is you know if you yeah. if your kind of theories and your your kind of um you know your your kind of work rate if all that pays off and you get this one fish uh very rewarding satisfying isn't it oh, amazing and i think I think that that's how my approach has changed, Cormac, is that um, leading up to being a guide, you know, I had a set, <clears throat> excuse me, number of marks, um, you know, well over 120 or something at the time when I became a guide. And um, I would, I, I, what I'd done is once I'd found them, I would, I would fish them in as many different types of conditions as possible, be it, you know, weather, um, different states of the tide, different water clarity, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, True. different times. So, of so year. is that like, say, if you say if you're kind of sussing out a spot, because this is interesting for mm-hmm. anybody trying to maybe find their own marks or whatnot. And so you'd suss yeah. out a bit of a spot. You might get a fish on it. You might kind of say, okay, there's a possibility here. I'm, uh, this could hold fish. So then you'll start fishing at the different kind of states and that. Is that it? Yeah, that's what I was leading into actually. So what what I what I did when I was still learning how to fish these types of marks was was you know yeah like I say i would keep a diary of um right that's the mark these are the sort of specific features about it or the characteristics i would say and then i would just basically just start building a picture you know so basically as soon as there's water there i would start fishing it and i'd also then fish it until there's no water there you know that's where i'd start off so fishing it all the different stages of the tides and all the way up all the way down that kind of thing and then i just build a picture around it really um but the way my approach is 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 now um, altered is that when I because I use these templates to find you know to find new marks. So this is based on all the experience I've got, and I might go right, okay, right. There's a particular gully sitting amongst a reef, um, looking through all my records. That type of mark might produce at night on the first hour of the ebb. You know that could be the hot time. You know the percentage of fish caught from it. That could be the time. And what I'll do now is if I find a new mark, I will go and fish that mark. I will wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and, um, and fish that mark in what I think are the most opportune conditions, first of all. And that's what I, that, that's how my approach has changed now that I've got less time to experiment, if that makes sense, because of the guiding. Um, yeah yeah it's interesting and it it is amazing and again i'm you know i'm not being i'm not bragging or anything like that but because of because of these types you know if you're looking for a specific feature and based on let's just say another 15 marks that are very similar to that you know 
if, if most of those only produce on the first hour of the ebb and darkness, if I then go and fish this new mark that matches, that's got a feature that matches every, you know, those 15. Yeah, yeah. You can put that into, you can put your theory into effect on all these different yeah, marks. It, it, yeah, it's amazing how many times, you'll, you know, you, we'll, we'll, I'll catch on it on, on the first time, you know, because, it, yeah. It, it is amazing then that's how my approach has changed now and then i and then once i've been there on the absolute what i think is the best time then i might then build around it you know but obviously that's right. i don't have as much time to experiment nowadays yeah that's that's very very interesting yeah and i suppose you're kind of talking when you're when you're kind of doing that you might give it maybe an hour or two uh, in that particular section of tide or tide time is that right yeah i would say so i mean when i so when i um within my garden season like i said i might and you'll see the figures i might only fish maybe seven or eight times a month myself during the actual garden season so between you know the first of april through to the second week of december so i'll probably fish seven or eight times a month so when i go out fishing let's say last year was a bit different because i did do a bit of exploring but normally what i'll do is if i go fishing in the garden season i, I want to catch i really do you know yeah, um, yeah. so i'll I'll, I'll, I'll go out when it's when I think everything's as nailed on as it possibly can be. But then at, between December and, you know, the end of March, that's when I do a bit more exploration. So that's when I'll go out and visit new places, you know, because the fishing here, you know, as you would have seen, you know, I do catch them here all year round. Um, you know, Jan um, December and January are fantastic months in South Devon, you know, and then February, depending on how cold it is, can be really good i mean when it warmed up february just gone last month well month before last you know the fishing was was really good <laughs> really good um That's you great. know and do you are you kind of watching do you watch the water temperature mark or, or does that bother you yeah. at all or are you kind of do you have a certain figure that you know that you have in mind <clears throat> or you don't want it to go below that i mean i mean i wouldn't say i wouldn't go below it because you never know to you try you know and that and again that's how i've learned how to catch them in winter and in some other odd periods of the year or um yeah, you know just get out there and places. give it a go yeah yeah the only way you know when again when i when i was when i was sort of learning how to do you know catch these fish i would i would read everything i get my hands on you know but ultimately you've got to go out and try it yourself you know and confirm it in your mind um so it's in regards to sort of a figure i mean what what, what i will say is i think if the sea temperature in in south devon i know in the channel islands they catch them when the water is much colder but i think that's more of a migratory thing with the bass but i think if it goes below nine degrees it, it does become tricky very tricky um but again it's it, i've learned ways to overcome the coldest period of the year you know if the fish are there and again i, I won't spoil it i keep banging on about this third book sorry but you know there, there's yeah, methods okay. in there that, I, that i've learned that you know um you know if the fish are there you've just got to you've got to find a you've got to find a way of catching them you know you've got to overcome the adversity if you like which is the first chapter of the book that's what it's called so but i'd say nine nine degrees nine nine degrees for me once it goes below that you you sort of know that they're, they're, they're lethargic even if they're there you know you've got to find a way around it but um and obviously obviously but, adapt your fishing style to that end there's no point in i suppose in in you know blasting the yeah, lore, blasting a fast moving lore through it like um you gotta, you gotta adapt your your style uh, absolutely i mean i mean i will i will i will tell you this because i have written it on my blog and i have written it on on you know facebook and stuff like that but the only way that i caught them in february the last two years when it's when it's when it's you know at the back end of february when the water's at its coldest or nearly at its coldest is a massively high percentage of the fish that i've caught um i've only hit the lure on the drop at night 
Yeah, which, I was actually I was I um, actually wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, because that seems to be a yeah. big big factor in. I've noticed you mentioned it quite quite a bit now. Um, mm. The lure hitting the water, you're letting you're letting it, obviously letting it drop. You're not retrieving straight away. You're letting it drop, and then bang, the fish mm. are hitting it. Is that right? They're hitting it within um, two to three seconds of the lure hitting the water, and again, you'd have seen on Facebook. I'm going to write a blog post this week about it. But I, I did guide last 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 Sunday, and you know I, I I said to the two guys, you know, look, it's coming in dark. We hadn't had a touch all afternoon. We were out for eight hours, and I said, look, darkness could be the time because it was it was obviously it was you know it was the end of March, still quite a cold day. The water's still, you know, I mean, it's about nine point seven degrees, something like that. So it's just coming up to that ten degrees, which is good. Um, and I basically demonstrated, look, this this is the technique. Keep the rod high. As soon as that lure hits the water, you need to preempt it, you know, so it plops in the dark and it's on a very tight line as it's sinking. Yeah. And literally an hour into darkness, the guy shouted, beautiful, you know, nearly four pound bass, chuffed the bits. 20 minutes later, he then banged out a four and a half pound bass. But both wow. those fish Brilliant. took the lure. They both took the lure on, on literally within two seconds. So plop, one, two, bang. And and I found that that's the way that we've been catching them in the depths of you know in, when the water's cold. Yeah. Okay. So so obviously, Mark, they're obviously hearing that splash and zoning in on it. Would you? Would that be fair to say of the lure hitting the water? Hundred percent. What they're doing is I think they're happy to exert the energy to investigate the splash, but then they're not happy to then chase the lure. You know. So oh, yes, you know, yes. Yeah, they, they, they won't they won't chase it, or, or if they are, they're certainly not having a go at the lure, that's for sure, because we're not getting any, you know, when I fish in the middle of winter, let's like say when it goes cold and the water's at its coldest, you, you get very, very few hits when the lure's actually, you know, moving through the water. You know, if you pause it and let it drop again, then you might get it. So it does prove they probably are following it. Um, you know, if you give them the opportunity to jump on it, they will, but... They're not happy chasing stuff when the water's cold. So, yeah, it's really interesting. But, again, it's, it's just spending time out doing this that you, you pick these things up, you know, trying different things is what we talked about, you know. And like you said, you need to you need to amend or alter your approach depending on the time of year or the venue or all the rest of it. So it's not it's not just about changing the lure. It's about, you know, just, just, just changing, changing your tactics as well as changing your approach yeah. const, con, constantly as well to adapt to it, yeah. I suppose. It's, it's, that's it it's just literally when you go out you just got to think of it as right how how can i over not overcome it's not it's not a problem but how can i yeah how can i overcome the conditions around me to put a bass on the end of this line and i think let's say doing the guiding now professionally for five years you know it's just it's just become second nature that you just got to go out and find a way around the, the problem i keep saying the problem it's not a problem but yeah the challenge, yeah, you're just trying to oh, you're trying to overcome all the time, and that's all I'm thinking about. When I'm stood back watching my clients, all I'm thinking is how can I put a bass on the end of that line? That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. That with the with the with the soft lures and hitting the water, like it's you know I see it some so often with guys they'll cast out a lure, minute it hits the water, start retrieving, and and uh, they're possibly missing the kind of the peak time for the fish to hit that lure like so cast it out let it hit the water and as you say you actually count down maybe to whatever one to one to five before you start retrieving and then nice and slow bring it back yeah i mean i mean this is let's say we're talking very a very specific um approach here you know which is with a soft plastic lure in the dark and the depths of winter and that yeah i will I, if let's just say the water's 10 feet deep and the lures 
going to sink at two feet per second. You know, I'll, sometimes in the coldest months, I'll let it sink to the bottom. Whereas, you know, once the water starts warming up or maybe say in December, you know, when the water's still around here, like 12 degrees or something, then I might, I might vary it. You know, sometimes I might let it hit the water, start retrieving it straight away, especially in the middle of summer when the water's warm, when they're happy to chase it, that's when I'll probably alter, you know, um, alternate between different sort of retrieve styles but you know again it, it totally depends on the situation you're in because if you're fishing a, a lovely gully in a bit of rough water you know if you're casting like a hard diving minnow into the gully you might just want to start retrieving it bang straight away get the lure under the water get a bit, you know, of, get movement, it get a bit of vibration yeah yeah yeah. And, yeah and again get get this is the last time i'm going to mention the third book i promise is, yeah. is you know <laughs> you, 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 the, the, the theme running through this third book is how to get a reaction out of these fish that's that's the theme you know um in in any scenario whether they're just lying lying up and digesting whether the water's rough whether it's the middle of the night in the middle of winter it's you know the, the second book was about my, my appreciation growing appreciation and understanding of bass movement how they traverse the coastline how they move in and out of different venues this this third book is all about getting a reaction so yeah what you exactly said um cormac is is it's amending your approach accordingly yeah yeah that's 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 really interesting um like as i said you, like you have you do seem to have so much success with those soft plastics and i kind of you know i fish I, most of my fishing is like hard hard lures you know shallow divers or top water and i'd still do i do yeah. a bit with with soft plastics but um but i will be doing more this year put it that way um yeah definitely definitely i mean the paddle tails how, how i use the paddle tails now in the estuaries in particular Again, that's that's revolutionised, you know, what I do over the last two and a half years, I would say, you know, because um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in a in a paddle tail that was just sort of swimming along, you know, in, in a straight line along the same trajectory and along the same depth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But but again, I, I'm learning all the time. You know, I was wasn't really using them in in the right way or the right environment. You know, was you know in the estuaries in particular, especially when there's a bit of fast water running. Those, you know, it's a bit murky. Those paddle tails are just absolutely deadly, you know. Um, yeah, they look. You know, it's kind of like a sand eel in its natural environment, really, isn't it? Um, uh, not, not so much sand eels. Not so much. Not much for sand eel. Um, I'd probably say a sand smelt. To be honest with you, um, you know, up in the estuaries, um, in this part of the world, anyway, it's stuffed full of, you know, sand smelt. I don't know whether some, some and also at certain times of year, lots like thousands of, of immature mullet. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so, so essentially, I mean, everyone knows the estuaries are just stuffed full of food. So you, you're just imitating a small fish. I wouldn't necessarily say a sand eel. If anything, I think out on the open coast, if we're using like a, you know, an IMA hound glide or something like that, let's say you're fishing from a shingle beach, you know, the water's sort of pounding up the beach and there are sand eels around, I think maybe then you're imitating a sand eel you know yeah maybe, yeah it depends as you know. say it depends on what the food source is in the estuary yeah 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 i mean i think primarily in the estuaries and again this is common knowledge you know um you know they're they're in there looking for the crabs and the prawn crabs i'd say um a high percentage of the time yeah, it goes um, back to easy food again isn't it they don't have to work too food. hard to get those easy crabs food. yeah yeah, and I think and I think if you get, you know, bait fish, whatever they are, whether it's sand eels, whether it's sprat, whether it's sand smelt, whatever it is, if if they once they're in an est an est an estuary, an estuarine system, 
um, because of the amount of ties, you see the bigger ties, they get shoved a long way off into the corners, into the creeks. And again, it, the bass know this, you know, they're obviously amazing predators. So, you know, um, yeah, the, I think I think what I'm getting at is I think that the bait fish, once they're in an estuary, are actually a bonus for the bass. I think that, you know, yeah, so I think primarily they're hunting for crabs. But if you, um, if you find the mackerel chase bait fish into a, into a big estuary, you know, and they stay in there as well, and then the bass follow the mackerel, that that's when the estuaries can be amazing because you you've got you talked about transitory and um, territorial basses. You've got the you've got the territorial fish that are in the estuaries, and they're then they're then joined by the transitory fish that are following the mackerel and the sand eels. Yes. So then it's then it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've lots of um, you've lots of options, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose now, Mark, like the guidance season is just about to kick <coughs> off. Now, is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I literally start tomorrow um, in earnest on the guiding. Like I said, I did one last weekend, and that was that was purely because bless them these two guys had, had asked me for ages to take them out and um i looked at the tide book a year ago and i was like yeah that's that that looks like a good tide to me yeah and i thought oh i, went, I thought oh, it would be nice to put a client onto a march bass you know because i don't normally guide in march i did a couple of years ago and i did put a guy onto a nice fish yeah, yeah. um and you got some fish as I, well this time i believe pardon you actually caught some fish as well this session yeah yeah i mean yeah, yeah a couple of decent ones as well yeah i did yeah. think we would catch. i did say to them at the start of the session i said look you know um i said i do i do think we'll catch whether they believe me or not i don't know but i but i had caught i had caught a good fish out with henry um earlier in the week um and i'd seen sand eels already oh yes you took um, you took out. his march bass on him yeah 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 yeah, well, yeah i mean i caught i caught one um i caught one with henry um and we were chatting and you know i handed him a copy of the book and all the rest of it and then like I said, he, he said he read something in the book and he went out the next day to one of his marks and you use the information and then he caught his first ever March bass. So I was, I was chuffed the bits for him, you know, but um, uh, but it was yeah. nice. I, I hadn't actually seen him for 14 months, something like that. So it was nice to fish with him again. And, you know, it was really lovely to be able to catch a nice, a nice March bass for him to get a lovely photograph um you know and then obviously i was even more pleased that he went out the next day and then caught one himself you know because i know i know it meant a lot to him <laughs> yeah yeah no he's 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 putting in the effort over the winter now and uh he's he's getting he's getting the, uh, getting the rewards because you know yourself like especially over the winter like the effort to reward like it's a big effort for a little reward over the winter isn't it you know um it is but i think the floodgates are open for him now i think um you know i said to him last year i said oh you'll, you'll catch one in february you will and and he did and i said to him this year i said you'll catch one in march you will catch one and he did so you know i say it's like we keep going back to it you just go you've just got to amend your approach that's all it is you know if the fish are there you know then you know a high percentage of the time you're going to catch them you know yeah yeah and i know you're a big believer and i believe it too like the bass they are they are very intelligent fish aren't they yeah i mean i know i sound crazy when i say it but it, I, from what from, from what i've witnessed and seen over the years now there's, there's something going on behind those eyes you know even even when you pick him up and they look at you and they turn that eye yeah you yeah just, you, just, you just think yeah you know <laughs> they they know what's going on and um yeah i do i i jeff I, I, yeah comp you know i don't want to disrespect any other fish here but um for me they're just an absolute cut above you know if you compare a mackerel brain i think you know to a bass i think you're talking about a pea and a football 
I just think they're just totally, ah, oh, they're just, they're just amazing fish. There's no other word for it. I mean, what other fish can you catch in, you know, fresh water, like actual fresh water, or absolute muddy, disgusting creek where the water's brown, and then go out and catch them on the same day from a beautiful surf beach, you know, sandy, you know, waves roaring in, and then go out that night and then catch them from a shingle beach out in the middle of nowhere you know, and, and all year round, you know, which I know I'm very lucky to be able to do that down here, but there's no other fish that you can do all of those things. It's, you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I think they really, you know, as you say, in the winter, like, they, they're weighing up their options. Well, am, am I going to, you know, do I want to use this energy to chase that lure, or chase that fish? Like, they're really kind of weighing it up, like, you know, so if you make it easy as possible for them, um, or in some cases, make it as confusing as possible for them. So they'll have to either strike or, or turn away, you know, certain situations like they are. They're, they're probably thinking just as much as we are. Absolutely. It's a very it's a very good point, Cormac, that um, you're sort of when you're fishing for bass, you're almost walking a bit of a tightrope as to whether you're making it too obvious. But then you don't want to make it that obvious because you want to put the doubt in their mind. And putting the doubt in their mind is what makes them strike the lure. And again, it goes back to react, the reactionary process that I, you know, I, I talk about a lot. So, yeah, it's, it's a good point you make there. Like I say, sometimes you don't want to make it too obvious. You know, if you're retrieving a, a hard diving minnow, but swimming on the same trajectory, the same depth, and it's wriggling away, which might look realistic to us, but I'm not convinced it does to a bass. If you're doing that in bright sunshine, flat, calm day, you know, unless there's two or three fish following and there's a bit of competition, the chances are they're going to follow it and then ignore it, you know. But if you add a bit of murkiness to the water or, um, you know, a bit of darkness, then maybe, it put, again, it puts that bit of doubt in their mind and then yeah. they'll hit it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and talking about murky water, we have a big problem over here, obviously, and I'm sure you do too, you know, once it blows up, especially here on the southeast coast, the water just yeah. gets silted up. It gets... You know, it gets dirty and it could be like that for days on end or weeks even sometimes in the winter. Like, um, I know, mm. but I know I've seen you, you have caught fish in, in murky water, uh, you know, up to estuaries and stuff and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, does it bother you that much? No, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, again, this is one of the major reasons that I wrote this book, this third book, because it does catalogue um, extensively so how my clients and I have caught bass in in water that literally is just over the depth of your boot and you rest a white lure on your boot and you can't even see the lure so there's zero clarity to the water zero clarity um but i've again i've i've learned methods or you know i've tried things and i've i've you know caught fish myself doing it and then i've gone out and i said to the clients right this is what we're going to do this is the reason for it and and then they've caught fish in water that is just there's just no clarity to it you know so there, there are ways and means there are ways and means and that's what this book contains is how we've overcome the first chapter i'll keep banging on about this book i'm so sorry yeah. um there's 121 pages of how we how we have overcome um you know situations you know if, i mean i've just released the blog post where i detail exactly what's in um in the book and yeah you'll you'll, you'll see there's like a list of um you know, um, conditions that we've overcome, be it very murky water, be it very clear water, bright sunshine, very small, neat tides, which is something that a lot puts a lot of people off. Um, yeah, we've all like we all like we all like I think it's nearly overcoming 
our own kind of mentality and our own approach, isn't yeah. it really? Because we've all like, yeah. like you, you've caught fish. I've caught fish in all those situations where you've just explained, you know, bright sunshine, you know, murky water. We, yeah. we have caught fish in these situations, but still, and I'm, I'm the same. I'll go down to a mark and if it looks a bit too murky or, you know, I'd probably be like, ah, oh, uh, will I bother? Or you know, kind of half-hearted, give it a, yeah. give it a go. And that could be a problem as well because you're only half-hearted fishing it because you feel it's too murky. But in reality, if you fish it properly, if you adapt a bit, you know, you still have a good chance of getting I fish in it. They're, they're there. We know that. It's a, it's a very good point. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, when, you, when you're stood out in the dark, let's say, and, you know, the water is like chocolate, you know, um, or, you know, it, it confidence can um, wane quickly, you know, in comparison to, like, when the conditions, when you, when you perceive the conditions to be, you know, bang on. But, Again, I think my my job as a guide, there's no point me and me being stood there with two or three guys, and I'm not feeling it because that will transmit to the to those guys. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yes, a, I wouldn't yeah. have put ourselves in that position in the first place because I wouldn't go somewhere where I didn't think we were going to catch for a start. But let's just say we turn up on a mark and unexpectedly the conditions aren't as great as I thought they might be. You know, um, again, you just got to find your way around the problem. Um, but because we've caught fish you know, in so many different types of environments and conditions now and consistently so, you know, I, I, I will literally go up to the client and say, look, there you go, there's a picture of a fish that was caught on this mark in these conditions and the conditions might be, you know, let's say completely chocolate water, let's say. Yeah. And I think it's just about, you know, not being false of it, but but you've got to sort of, um, what's the best way of describing this? You know, you've got to maintain your genuine confidence you know it is difficult let's say because i know that confidence when it's just you're out on your own just fishing confidence will wane but my advice is just stick with it stick with it you know and um you you'll surprise yourself quite often you know and um yeah so i think i think by having again by having two or three clients out at a time you know if you can say to people look you know we we, we have got a very good chance of catching here it might not it might not look like the types of conditions that you might normally fish in, but I can guarantee you that we have caught in these conditions on this mark, you know, and more often than not, bang, someone's mark, you know, got yeah. one and then that's it, you know, that's yeah, it. And so then it's, it's a real, it's a real mental approach from the angler. Like, yeah. you know, you have to kind of, you know, persist with it and, you know, it don't, is, don't, that's don't, mark, don't let that's, it put that's, you off. Like just, you know, yeah, that's it. And that's it. It, it is, it is. And it's my, it's my job to keep them confident. You know, like I say, because they've got me behind them saying, no, no, this will work. This will work. You know, they can't they can't just walk away and go, oh, no, I'll come back another day. <laughs> yeah. I won't let them. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not leaving here till you catch a fish, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. I, you know, we're here for a reason. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I always explain to them that we wouldn't be studying now if I didn't think if we if I genuinely think we're not going to catch. We will literally go, right, let's go somewhere else, you know. But if I think based on all the experience and previous catches that we're going to catch then then we'll stay there yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you feel do you ever feel under pressure mark i'm sure you do a bit like for anglers to catch fish i'm I, i'm sure you do in a good way like but i mean um you know at the end of the day you're kind of at the mercy of the fish really aren't you you can put them on the mark and yeah. tell them what to do and where to cast and what lure to use and it's still the fish yeah. might be there but um they're not going to take for some reason you know i suppose there is a bit of pressure it I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to say there isn't pressure because, of course, there is pressure. Um, but what I will say is that when I first started doing it, I was like, "They've got to catch. They've got to catch. They've got to catch." But then, the more people I took out, most I'd say, and I'm not honestly, 99% of the anglers that turn up 
and a high percentage of them are returning clients, but yeah. very high percentage. But ninety nine percent of people that turn up, they they just want to learn. They want they want to learn. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're know, grateful. They're grateful for any knowledge they can get. Like yeah, yeah. And the whole reason I started the garden was because you know if you're if you're not catching, you don't know if you're in the right place. You don't know if you're there at the right time. You don't know if you're using the right lure. You don't know if you're using it in the right way. So I, I've learned now that when people turn off, it's not just about the catching. Now, you know, not nine times out of 10, we will catch, we will catch, you know, over 90% of the time, 91 to 94%, I think I worked it out to be that, you know, over the session or sessions, they, they, they will catch. That's brilliant. That's brilliant, Mark. Yeah. So I, so I, so I, I, so because of that, because I'm doing this for five years now, I, I, there are, there are obviously days when the fish just do not play ball you know but yeah. it, it averages itself out over a season and i think that that's how i that's how i approach it in my mind now is look you know yes there might be a day when it, it just doesn't go to plan but then the next time you'll go out someone might pull an eight pounder out so it, it you know what i mean so that's how i approach it is it is it averages itself out over the season and so you know the, the, going back to the sort of pressure um it <laughs> I don't know, you know, we, we've done really, really well over, over the last five years and that. So I just think, well, um, it's worth the reward, I suppose. It's, it's a bit of pressure, but it's, it's probably really, really it's rewarding. Not, um, I know when oh, I see guys when you when you when you catch a fish like and they're absolutely thrilled, like they're delighted, you know, and it's so great to be part of that. Yeah, nothing, nothing beats um, nothing beats showing someone some a technique. You know, I can take the other night as a great example. You know, this guy had never used um, these types of lures before, and you know, or, or he'd never used that technique before. And I taught him the technique, and then literally straight away he goes and catches. It doesn't always happen like that, of course. But when when you teach someone something new, like working a surface lure is a big one because a lot of people want to learn how to use the surface lures properly. When you take someone who's tra- travelled a long way, they've looked forward to a session for a very long time, and you take them out and you show them something new. And then they they catch up during that session. It, it is it is amazingly rewarding. It, it is the most rewarding thing ever. Yeah, yeah, Love it's, it. it's great. Yeah, I see. You know, you you have great kind of success with the, the gravity stick. Um, say if I'm or say if somebody's listening to this now and they're kind of getting into fishing and they're going out to their local rock mark and they know there's a few fish around and they have some gravity sticks. Um, what what advice would you give them and how to kind of work that just just sussing out a new area to ground like in a rocky kind of weedy environment? We rocky weedy environment. I, first of all, I would have I would have scoped it out at low tide. So I'd looked at it on Google Earth, sussed out if there's any features, visit it at low tide, taken some pictures, um, and then I should say the first time I'll fish it, it might be like a like a flooding spring tide, something like that. And what I'd probably do is. I, I would try and find an area where you can cast it two or three features. Um, so when I say a feature, I mean like a patch of weed um, or like, you know, like a, like a, a rock, a, maybe. Gu- or a gully or a particular rock or something like that. And I, I would just keep putting it, I would just keep putting it in that area. You know, again, okay. it, it's a very, um, it's quite an open question really, because like I say, it let's just say, e- it sounds easy. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds easy, but let's just say the tide's flooding. Let's just say the tide's flooding and, yeah. it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and you know, when you're at the mid section of the tide, let's say, then that's when I would expect fish to be moving into that area. See okay. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, Coming, so creep, there, creeping in over the shallow water, creeping up over yeah. the tideline. Yeah. I mean, a lot, I'd say when you're, when you're lure fishing for bass, 
and this is what I say to the clients, is you're either stood in one spot intercepting their movement, so you're waiting for them to enter that feature or move into your area, you know, or, yeah. or you're you're cast into lots of different areas or, fit, you know, aiming at certain features, trying to find the fish that are just sat. So let's just say, let's just say you fish that, that reef mark for six hours at the start of the tide. If there's water there, I'd probably be moving around quite a bit, casting to different areas where they could be holding. Yeah, but yeah. But then if the tide floods over the reef and you've got two or three features to aim at, I would just keep aiming at those features. Bang, 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 bang. Very, very systematic as the tide's flooding and moving quickly. And then over the top of the tide, high tide, or the last hour of the flood, I'd then start the casting and moving technique again. And that's pretty much how I would approach it with not just the gravity stick, but anything really. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to talk great, to you, great with, advice with, there, with, yeah. Yeah, that's what I would do. With a gravity stick in particular, I mean, to be honest, we're probably using them more in the estuaries than we are on the open coast. Okay, as yeah. in, in, in daylight, anyway, in daylight, I would say. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's actually you're, you're doing some guiding at night and I'm a big fan at lure fishing at night. And the amount of people I talk to like and they, they nearly can't believe you lure fish at night. But I see you have some great success as well. And it seems like you really enjoy it fishing at night. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, I've got I've got, um, you know, Henry and in, in, in the in the anglers over in Ireland, actually, to thank for this, because I was and, and, in, and in Jersey, to be fair, the White Brothers, when they started catching bass at night on needlefish and things like that yes. and then out in ireland they were starting to catch them on the wave worms that's when i was thinking about that's when i was like getting into like right i'm going to be a guide in a couple of years wouldn't it be wonderful to have this night fishing element to bolt onto my guiding so i set about learning how to do it and i you know i i, I highlighted a number of marks you know i went searching for the marks and i was like right this this is i'm gonna i'm gonna make a real solid attempt at this you know and um it was it was uh, april 17 when i caught my first bass on a lure in the dark <laughs> 17th of april brilliant 17. yeah yeah and, um, and that was it literally one and again it's like any other lure type and this is what i say to the clients once you catch on a particular lure type from a particular type of venue or particular set of conditions that's it the floodgates are open you know and i never look back from that moment and the night fishing is something i i really really enjoy doing because when that one when, when you get that hit at night you don't know whether it's one pound or you know no one's had a no one's had a double with me yet i mean but i think it's going to happen it's going to happen you know and um you know, we've had 12 over 70 centimeters or something now wow that's good that's good, that's good yeah yeah i think eight of those are in the dark so that that tells you that in the dark it it you know all bets are off basically is what i'm getting at yeah 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 and do you think like i know we, we all want to catch that big fish and I think I was chatting, chatting about, about it to, to Henry as well. Like, and, you know, can you, do you think you can specifically target a big bass? Um, yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Tell me how um, to do that, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I would, I would say the, um, start and the end of the seasons are, are definitely good times. Okay. So in, 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 in South Devon, for instance, I would say end of March. Yeah, early April is a yeah. good is a good is a, is a good time because that's when you've got some very big fish coming into spawn and like I said, they're acting in a different way. They're very territorial. Like I say, that that fish that I spotted last week, you know, um, you read the, the story. The, the, the last story um, that opens chapter four of the new book is the last time I mention it. Um, that is that is a remarkable story of a fish that that I saw. Um, so I think that. <clears throat> um 
early in the season and late in the season. So again, when they're trying to feed up, ready to sort of migrate and breed and whatever is a good time. Um, I think fishing in the dark as well mm, is, is definitely yeah. a way to, to, to get the bigger ones. Um, and I also think that fishing in the estuaries as well in, in certain situations with the estuaries, you know, um, I won't spoil it, but yeah, yeah the yeah. Certain, but yeah, I think, I think that, that would be, yeah, the reason, the reason, what, what I think is, and it, this could be another reason for the, for, for the sort of early season, late season is it's highly likely that the big fish are always there. Right. But okay. once you get, once you get, once you, when I say always there, they could be there all year round. It could be in certain locations. What I'm getting at is that when you, when it, when the water starts to warm up, you know, 10, 11, 12, especially up to 13, 14 degrees, there's a lot more smaller fish around yes. and they're going to get, they're going to get to the lure first. So it could just be a case of, you know, there's, there's far, like I'll give you a great example in November in this part of the world, the small fish just disappear. You, you just you know november december you just don't catch one pound bass you just don't catch them yeah, I, don't, I, don't yeah. know where they, I don't know where they go and it's the same in in march i mean until you get the first warm spell you know or early april until you get that first bit of warmth you know with te- air temperatures like 15 16 17 degrees you know the only fish you'll you'll most of the fish you'll catch will be good sized fish and that could just be because there's no small ones around so they can get to the lure first yeah yeah i got you yeah yeah look at mark um i've kept you longer than i planned and uh sorry about that i know you're busy but i really enjoyed that chat with you absolute wealth of knowledge um <laughs> it's, it's just it's just great to chat to you and so tell me about i know we mentioned the book but the book is so important because all this knowledge is in the book and you know if people want to learn and get something out of it um yeah you know get the book i'll be getting it um get the book so where it's uh, it's available at the moment mark is it yeah, it's at the printers at the moment, as in, you know, as in today, it's at the printers being, you know, they're being printed, all of them, um, but I'll have them next week. Um, so, and what I've done is I've, I've actually commissioned the print run of my two previous books as well. Um, so all three books are available. Um, so people can either, they can go onto my website um, and I've written a blog post and at the bottom of the page. You've got various PayPal links, depending on what, which combination of books you want um also what i have done is i, I have painstakingly emailed i'm, I'm daft e- e- emailed every single person who's bought a previous book um you know explaining to them that i've got a new one you know and this this is this is what's uh you know so if you want to purchase it basically so yeah um yeah. or they can email me directly on south devon guide at yahoo.com and i'll get back to them with the details but yeah uh brilliant mark look at thanks very much for that for your time and really looking forward to getting my hands on the book and hopefully we might catch up with you again maybe later on in the year maybe towards the end of the season if 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 we can get you yeah i'm more than happily do it again you know december Cormac. you know or maybe a winter one you know when everyone's a bit you know yeah <laughs> when, yeah when there, are, when there aren't many fish around you know i'd, I'd uh, let's say next winter i'm going to take a chill pill and go searching for new marks so I'll leave, leave, leave me alone hand. says you leave me alone yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> right, right mark look it's been a pleasure thanks very much and we, we'll chat soon okay yeah, no problem, Cormac. Thanks very much. Thanks, thanks. Thanks for having me on. So that's it, folks, from episode seven of the Lure Fishing Podcast. I'm sure you'll agree that Mark Cowling was an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, he really is top of his game with bass fishing, and I could have spoke to him all evening. Hopefully we'll get him back on the show, maybe in the end of the year or over the winter, and see how he's getting on. 
In the meantime, if there's any other guests you'd like me to interview, feel free to drop me a line on any of my social media channels. And thank you for your continued support. And hopefully we will see you in two weeks' time for the next one.